Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host. As always, welcome to our podcast. So on today's episode, we are going to talk a little bit about a question that was presented prior to a webinar that we have scheduled for today, which is May 4th, 2019. Of course, if you're getting this podcast after that date, just Go to our YouTube channel. You can get there by going to masterthenec.com. You'll see a YouTube link at the top. Click on that and go watch the video. Um, but but prior to that, we we had some questions that came in about optional calculations that we weren't going to cover during the optional calculations webinar. Why is that? Because, again, it's a one-hour webinar. And we want to cover the basics of an optional calculation for those that are preparing for an exam. Now, it'll obviously help you in real life, but you need to know the basics for an exam, basic fundamentals of calculations when it comes to services and feeder applications. Now, prior to this webinar, we've done another webinar on the standard method for calculating loads for a single family dwelling. And I encourage you to go watch that video again. You can go to our YouTube channel and watch that video. Go to masterthenec.com, go to the top of the screen, you'll click on that YouTube button and that'll take you over to our YouTube channel. Just search for it because there's tons of videos and tons of podcasts that we also repost on there as well. And um, you can watch that because you really need to understand the standard method before you really dabble in the optional method. Because again, the optional method is optional. The standard is the general rule. Uh, but the code is going to allow me to use the optional method as, as long as I meet some caveats. And we'll talk about those in a second. Now, a couple of questions that were presented ahead of time is they wanted my opinion uh, and since I didn't think we would cover them in the video because it gets a little deeper than what you're going to have on a normal exam or a normal application, uh, it's probably more real life than would be from a from a code exam perspective. So I wanted to make sure I addressed those and gave my opinion to the person that sent me the uh, the questions, um, so that they have full closure to my opinion. And again, everybody can give opinions, opinions being on what they are. Um, if I were to send into the NFPA for an opinion on something, unless it's a formal opinion, which is a long, drawn-out process, most of the time you're going to get informal opinions. And again, what is an informal opinion? It's nothing more than somebody's opinion. And it's usually the person that wrote it. And then you'll get a little disclaimer at the bottom says, this is the person that wrote its opinion. It does not necessarily represent the opinion or position of the NFPA or whatnot. So... When I give a, a, an opinion, it's like an informal opinion based on my 30 plus years of in the industry and the way I read it. Uh, you might read it differently and everybody has their own opinions. And, and again, something about the electrical industry, experts all seem to want to bash on each other. Like, oh, he's not right. You know, to make somebody else seem like they're not as intelligent or whatever. You know what? You can do that all you want. I don't deal in that. I don't deal in other people. I People that know me know that I say what I want for the last 30 years and I don't care what other people think about it. I didn't get in this industry to make friends, even though I've made a lot of friends. I'm here to teach code. Whether you agree with me or disagree with me, you're going to learn something, hopefully, 
and then we'll both be better for it and we move forward. But I don't get into the bashing and I don't care about other instructors and what they say. I'm going to tell you my opinion. All right, so today we're going to talk about these questions and it's really two questions that came to me uh, by, via uh, LinkedIn. And again, social media platforms, I'm a member of all of them. But if you really want to connect to me, come on over to LinkedIn and look for me, Paul Abernathy. I'm connected there. Let's connect. But you better be in the electrical industry because if you're not, I won't connect with you. Okay, You've got to be something in the electrical industry uh, for me to want to be connected with you. Other than that, I'm not into recruiters either. So I don't need to be connected with any recruiters. I ain't looking for a job. Um, I don't. I just don't. I don't want you access to my connections. You know what? If you're in the electrical industry... Come and connect with me. Now, we do have the Facebook pages, Master the NEC and Master the NEC Exam Prep and Instagram. We have all that stuff, but I'm very rarely on that except to promote maybe a program we're doing or an ad we're doing, but I don't really answer questions on that. And I don't go on Facebook forums and answer questions anymore. It's just too contentious. People want to fight. They like they're ready to pound their chest. I'm not. You know what? At my age now, I'm just trying to teach. I'm not trying to get into that. Um, anyway. And usually the people that hang out on those, there are some great people. And then there's others that are just there to poke holes at anything you say. Maybe you're texting something on the run and you don't give all the information, but somebody's there quickly to to jump on you or say something negative because they just feel like it makes them feel bigger. I don't know. Anyway, I don't participate in that. So sorry about that. I'm five minutes in and I was ranting. All right, let's get on to the questions. So what Dave has sent me some questions here that we knew we were going to cover in the optional calculation. So I want to cover each one of these as quick as I can. Number one, Dave says, I've heard and believe that pool equipment, landscape lighting, and docks do not get included in the optional load calculation for dwellings. It may or may not be true, David. We're going to, we're going to look at the more... Uh, Define what's in 220.82b and see if we can cover any of these items, and I'll give you my opinions on that. Next, it says, I also believe that the optional load count does not apply to whole home generators with loads that are to be shedded. Okay, so we'll look at 702 as well, because obviously it's for a whole home, so it's going to be an optional uh, standby system, and we'll look at that as well. Um, and obviously, since he's talking shedding, then you're talking about an automatic system. That's why it would be a whole whole home. Uh, although you could have a manual that's a whole home as well. And you have two options when you're dealing with an optional. How do you like that? Options with an optional. Uh, with optional standby, you get two options. You can go with a manual or you can go an automatic transfer, however you want. Um, now, when we talk about shedding, most of the time we're talking about the applications where in an emergency application where you see the load shedding term used um, is... I mean, obviously, it can be used in other applications, but I'm saying when you see that term specifically used, it's usually when we're using a generator that's going to handle different types of situations like emergency, legally required, and optional, and it has to shed them in that order. Uh, it has to keep them in that order of importance. So number one, have to take account the emergency. Next in line, once that emergency is taken care of, then you can deal with the uh, legally required if it's on that same generator. If that's all taken care of, then you can deal with the optional. Okay, But they have that level of importance. Always emergency takes precedent over everything like that. So you need to shed in an emergency situation. You might shed some legally required or you might shed some uh, uh, op optional, uh, optional standby loads. That is what you're going to do if you have to make sure that you maintain the emergency. Now, since we're talking about a whole home generator, obviously we're not talking about a legally required or 
a emergency. Even though people want to call it that, it might be emergency to you because the meat goes bad in your freezer or something like that, but that's not really an emergency. That's just an optional standby. Put it in if you want, okay? And so since he talks about shedding, we're going to talk about load management. It's probably what really is what we're talking about here. And we'll look at that as well in a second. All right. So first things first, though, we want to go on and take ourselves to 220.80 or the beginning of part four, which is the optional feeder and service load calculations. Remembering we're talking about feeders and loads. We're not talking about part two. Okay, dealing with the general branch circuit applications. And we're not talking about part three, which is a standard method. We've already covered that in another uh, another video. Um, now, when people ask me all the time, where does it say that I can use the optional method? Well, we're going to be in 220.82a, and that says feeder and service loads. And here's where we get all those rules that we've got to make sure that we meet in order to be able to use this optional method. So again, even though we're going to focus on David's questions, we're going to first see if we're what lets us stay in the optional method. Okay. First things first, it says this section applies to a dwelling unit having the total connected load served by a single 12240 volt or a 208Y120 volt set of three wire service or feeder conductors with an ampacity of 100 amperes or greater. Okay, so a lot of times I get this question, are they talking about 208123 phase or are they talking about single phase? It's still single phase, okay? Um, in a 208 three-phase power panel, for example, we can get a bunch of stuff out of that. We can get 208 three-phase, we can get 120-volt single-phase, and we can get 208-volt single-phase. Get those applications out of it. We can get that, right? So in a single-phase 120, it's phase A to neutral is 120. In phase B to neutral, 120. Phase C to neutral, 120. Uh, in a single-phase 208, it's a two-pole breaker, uh, and so you've got A to B, 208, B to C, 208, C to A, 208. Uh, don't confuse this with a delta high leg. We're talking about a Y. Don't get it confused. Okay, so we do have the option of using all of these phases with a 208 three-phase power panel. And in this case, since we're talking about a dwelling unit, uh, probably the only time you'd run into this is if you have uh, the, the individual dwelling units in something, then you can, you know, like a, a multifamily building, then you might have the application here where you could utilize this for each of the single dwelling units, okay, um, which could very much have uh, the application. And again, I do an example of a load calculation in, in one of my exam prep programs where I talk about uh, feeding a single phase 208 volt range, for example, and what you have to do in order to take into consideration when you're sizing the service, because the service more often than not uh, is going to be based on the three phase application of 208. So I just kind of, I, I do something and teach you that, but I don't want to go into that today. Uh, and then of course, out of the same type of panel, we can get three phase, which is A, B, and C, which is going to be 208 three phase. Okay. All right. So I kind of just wanted to give a, just a touch on that because I do get time to time people say that or ask me that. But in our case here, we're very much dealing with single phase, both a 120, uh, 12240 volt or a 208Y120 single phase application. Okay. And you're going to know that because it's dealing with a three wire setup here. Okay. Or 
a feeder application. Well, it be still would be a full wire for that going out to the feeder, but the rule is still going to apply to that, okay? Because it says three wire service or feeder. Now, when we go out to that, it's still going to be the three wire. It's just the difference is you're going to have a separate equipment ground as well. Anyway, don't want to get over embedded in that. So remember, got to apply here. Since we're talking about single family dwelling, then it's probably going to be 12240. So we'll stick with that. Um, and of course, 100 amps or greater. So in order to be able to use the optional method, your calculation of your ampacities have to come out to be 100 amps or greater to be able to use this optional method. What do you do if it's not 100 amps or greater? Then you kick you back into the standard method, part three. All right, now, what tells me that I can use part four? Paul, tell me where it tells me that. I get that question a lot. It says right here in 220.82, second paragraph, it says it shall be permissible to calculate the feeder and service loads in accordance with this section instead of the method specified in part three of this article. Right there in black and white, it's telling me that I can use this optional method. Of course, I had to meet the caveats to get to this point, which is 100, 100 amps or more, uh, and it has to be 12240 or 28Y120. Okay, so I'm at that point, right, that I can use this optional, optional method. But again, it's instead of part three. Now, does that mean that I, that I can't still use part three? Certainly, I can use part three standard method all day long, all I want. But if I get the benefit of using the optional method, it's going to result in a smaller service. Okay, um, Not always going to result in a smaller neutral because remember, and you'll see here in a second, you still got to use the standard method to size the neutral. So the reason I tell you that right now is because the optional method is awesome. And it will result in a smaller service. But at the end of the day, you still got to know how to use the standard method to size that neutral. Okay, so you got to learn both of them. So if you just came to my web webinar or listened to this podcast and you've never heard of me, go to our website, masterthenec.com, go to the top, click on the YouTube button, go watch some videos, you'll learn a little bit more, hopefully you get some more knowledge, uh, and uh, you participate. And you can send me questions and we can get involved and I can help you learn. That's what I love to do, that's what it's all about. I'm obviously don't get rich doing this because I truly have a passion to try to teach people. Um, okay, so haters be what they are. Um, they cannot stop the passion. Okay, and I enjoy teaching, so we're going to keep doing it. Now, the next one says, all right, so again, I got it. I understand the parameters. I understand that I can use the optional method. What's next? What the next paragraph says, uh, it says, the calculated load shall be the result of adding the loads from 220.82B, which is where we're going to be to answer Dave's questions, and C, which is dealing with six options for heating and air conditioning. You choose the larger of the two options, but you have to look at your system, and you've got six options to choose from. Um, in, uh, in many cases, you're going to have to consider even the heat versus AC, just like we did in the standard method. And then sometimes it'd be something like a heat pump where they're combined, and you have to look at them that way. And you're going to take the larger of whatever the options are uh, in uh, one through six. Okay, uh, And we'll cover that in the webinar today, but that's what C is dealing with. But that's not what we're going to deal with today to answer David's questions. Now, it says feeder and service entrance conductors whose calculated load is determined by this optional calculation, means part four, shall be permitted to have the neutral load determined by 220.61. Okay, And that's over there that's going to remind us 
that we need to take all of that unbalanced load into consideration, all the caveats that are there, and ultimately we're going to have to use the standard method in order to do the calculation for the neutral. Okay, so that's why I say it's so important is get to know this optional method, but when it comes to the neutral, you're still going to have to do a calculation. Now, good news is if you do the calculation using the optional method and you buy something like an SEU or an SER for most part, most of us, the manufacturers that produce that under UL854, for example, if you buy that pre-made cable assembly, um, are going to size the neutral either full size or no more than two sizes less, um, but you still have to know. Um, but most of the time, people don't even think about it. They just, when it's like four-odd aluminum for 200 amp service uh, or something, they do that calculation, they just go, boom, I just take it and run with it. And uh, usually four-odd aluminum, two-odd aluminum for the neutral, and they just, they don't question it and they, they go to town. Okay. But what I want you to know is that you do have to do that calculation uh, and take that into consideration. All right. So now let's look at B, because B is what we're going to deal with David's questions, and I don't want to target them out because right now I have 17 minutes into this bad jamma, so I want to make sure I at least cover the topics. Uh, B is the general loads. I'm going to read it. It says the general calculated loads shall be not less than 100% of the first 10 kVA, first 10,000 VA, plus 40% of the remaining of the following loads. Wow, 40%. That's a pretty good uh, D rating there. All right. So let's look at it. Number one, 3 VA per square foot for general lighting and general use receptacles. Well, that's pretty uh, uh, prominent because when we did the standard method, remember, we knew that we had to go to 220.12, find the occupancy type dwelling unit. It was 3VA per square foot, but it didn't say anything right up front about the general use receptacles until we saw that little asterisk. Then we go to the bottom below that asterisk and we're like, oh, now you're going to give me some guidance. You're going to tell me to go to 220.14J. And that's when it tells me, hey, man, all these general receptacles or general use receptacles that you're laying throughout this dwelling, you don't have to add nothing additional. Just go on and it's all figured into the 3VA, man. Relax. Calm down. Take a chill. And so here it's telling it to us right away. So already it's, in my mind, it's made it a little easier to do the optional method. It's telling me right up front, 3VA per square foot, and that encompasses the general lighting and general use receptacles. Okay. Now, next it says, the floor area for each floor shall be calculated, each floor by the way, shall be calculated from outside dimensions of the dwelling unit. So I got to use the outside dimensions, not the inside dimensions from interior wall, outside dimensions of the dwelling unit for this calculation. And if I have multiple floors, I got multiple floors to take into consideration. Uh, it also goes on to say the calculated floor area shall not include open porches, garages and unused or unfinished space is not adaptable for future use. Okay, so no different than the standard method. So at this point, if you're familiar with the standard method, you're like, they're thinking, oh, I've, I've got this. Pretty good. The next item is item two, and it says, oh, it's combining again the same thing that we had in the standard method. It's saying, by the way, it's 1500 VA for each small appliance brand circuit that you have in your house that you're wiring. Um, and also, it's 1500 VA for each laundry branch circuit that's in this dwelling. Okay. Now, remember that 210.11C1, uh, which deals with the small appliance, and C2, which is dealing with the laundry, um, are 
already, in, you know, it'll tell you that you have to have a minimum of one laundry and a minimum of two small appliances, okay? So just kind of keep that in mind. So in our case, 1,500 times two is 3,000 VA for the small appliance, but you could have more than two, okay? So it's for each. So if I have four of them, like we'll have in our example in the webinar, then I've got to take into account for all four of those. So that'd be 6,000 VA. So just remember that. And then, of course, it also gets to the what we're going to talk about today for answer David's questions is in three and four. Okay, let's look at three. So what is uniquely different from the optional method is that you actually use the nameplate. Uh, you don't have to do anything with the ranges and go to the table 220.55 for ranges and, and for the dryer. You simply take uh, 220.54 for the, for the dryer. You just simply take the name plate in whatever that value is okay so in our case here it says the nameplate rating of the following and it says a it says all appliances that are fastened in place permanently connected or located to be on a specific circuit okay in this case that or is very important to me that if it's an appliance because that's the underlining rule here if it's an appliance and the definition of appliance is found in Article 100. Uh, and it's important when you go look at that that you're also going to see it makes reference to the utilization equipment, which is also listed in Article 100 to see how those two work together. Uh, that if this is the case, then they have to be considered. So an appliance can be a lot of things. So then we start picking, doing the little picking of what Dave's question is. And we look at the first thing, pool equipment. Well, I have a golden rule. Uh, and a golden rule is just Paul's golden rule. You can take it, if you will, or not, and just remember it. But anytime I'm calculating a service or a feeder, I need to take into account any of the load that's going to be seen by that feeder or that service. So if I've got pool equipment, i got a pool house, and I've got loads associated with it, and those are appliances, uh, like the heater units or anything that would qualify as an appliance and you can go read the definition of appliance and we can beg to differ on what you think appliance is but I'll remind you when you see things like such as that's not an all-inclusive list okay so what we consider an appliance for example many people wouldn't consider a water heater an appliance but it's governed under 422 so it very much is an appliance it's made designed in a standardized format it might be different size a little fatter a little higher but generally the same concept then it's an appliance uh, a clothes washer is an appliance now they might look different front end loading top loading whatever it's an appliance okay a food mixer is an appliance but don't get locked into that such as when you read the the definition in article 100 and it's so important for you to read the 100 definitions if you're going to take an exam spend time reading all those definitions to make sure you're covering something properly but that's what we're talking about appliances and it's very broad okay if it's standardized they make it in a standardized format and sell it uh, like pool heaters I consider pool heaters to be an appliance Okay, and so if that's the case, they're typically fastened in place, permanently connected, uh, or they're located to be on a specific circuit for that specific appliance. And if that's the case, I'm going to consider that in my optional calculation. I, I am absolutely going to consider it. Okay, now that answers the first one for the pool equipment. Landscape lighting, you know what? 
Um, such low low values of VA unless you've got such a massive home and then the service is probably going to be larger anyway because of diversity it's not going to make much of a difference but landscape lighting itself if it doesn't fall under here the only argument that we can make is if at some point you consider anything involved in that an appliance and then you kick in 3A okay for that application I mean that's it is what it is alright so again for me in real life because we're doing exam prep versus real life. And in real life, um, I'm probably going to say that the landscape lighting is such uh, the transformer, whether or not you consider that transformer, that control system, whether or not you consider that uh, an appliance or not, is going to govern whether or not you kick in 220.82B3A. And if that's your opinion, go for it. Uh, in my opinion, most of the landscape lightings, things like that, uh, because we're doing a one-family dwelling, Remember now, we're doing a one-family dwelling, not a commercial building, uh, then I personally would not consider the landscape lighting as something that I would worry about in my calculation. Again, we can agree to differ, disagree, and if you believe it does, and I'm wrong, that's fine. Perfectly fine. I don't have no problem with it. I'm probably not going to consider it in mine. Okay? It's such a diversity that I'm not worrying about it. Um, the next in the question was uh, docks. Um, well, if I have uh, an appliance that's placed at the dock, then I might consider it here under 220.82B3A. Okay, it's still an appliance. And if it's also an appliance that has a specific circuit that's run to it, I'm going to take that in consideration. Okay, um, and, and, and figure that in. Okay, and I'm going to take it at its nameplate. All right, that's the unique thing about this optional method is you're literally taking all of the appliances that are in there and taking them at their nameplate. Okay? Uh, the next one uh, that, that I would do uh, is to cover what Dave's asking is the docks. So if I have a general receptacle that's down there or something like that and it's not to an appliance, then I'm probably not going to worry about it. It's enough diversity and I'm not going to deal with it, anything on it. Uh, if it's the lighting and things like that, uh, it's to me, um, we applied that 3VA to the outside dimensions of the dwelling unit. So many people would argue that it is separate lighting, but I don't see where that gives me any bearing in that when I'm looking at B1. Okay, it's just, it's, it's enough diversity that I generally wouldn't have anything to, to do with it. Um, the other aspect of it is you could probably add everything that you want to try to add to this calculation, but. B one two three and four, uh, when it comes to the general lo general loads, is stating what it's stating, and that's that's it. It's telling me exactly what it's stating, and I'm going to take it at what it says. Uh, the next one that I want to go to uh, because we kind of talked about nameplate for all appliances, and I'm assuming you're going to go look up appliances in 100, and you're going to look up with utilization equipment because when you see appliances, you're going to see the reference to utilization equipment, and that is very broad. Okay, very broad. All right. And that's going to cover those things that you talk about there, David, hopefully, um, uh, in a dock. If I'm just adding a receptacle for general use, it's kind of like I'm adding a receptacle on the outside of the house for general use. I'm, I'm not going to add anything different for that. So if I run it down there, I'm, I'm really not. I am going to size that branch circuit properly under part two to be able to handle whatever that load is down there or whatever it may be. Uh, but that's as far as I'm going to consider it. Remember, we're dealing with a single-family dwelling at this point in this, in this presentation. All right, so let's look at number four where this might come into play, item number four. All right, part four 
Uh, or I should, I should say part four. Item number four says the nameplate ampere or KVA rating of all permanently connected motors not included in item three. So we covered a lot in item three and what can be an appliance and it can be many things. So dealing in this question again to David, if I have a pool pump motor and it wasn't covered in item 3A as an appliance, that's just the motor, then, or if the motor was incorporated into an appliance, then the appliance might already cover that motor application. For example, dishwasher has a motor, it's already covered in the dishwasher. Um, I don't have to do anything in dishwasher. I don't have to think about that motor separately. But where I might have a pool pump motor, uh, if it's associated with that dwelling unit, it's supplied by that dwelling unit, uh, then I'm going to make a consideration for that dwelling unit, and I'm going to make a consideration for that calculation. If it's permanent connected motor, and it's not included in item three, then I'm very much going to take that nameplate, and I'm going to add it here. Because remember, at the end of the day, whatever we add here is going to be subjected to that first uh, 10,000 at 100% and the remainder at 40. So I'm going to bring that in. Uh, the other thing that I tell people is if it's an appliance, again, uh, that is connected to a specific circuit, then I'm going to calculate it as well. I'm going to take the nameplate. So um, again, people ask all the time, it's a microwave. If a microwave is a built-in microwave, it's got a certain VA. I do the calculation out, come up with it, or I take the nameplate. This is where I'm trying to get from, the things that are on the nameplate, because that's what's required here. Then I'm going to add that value to my calculation. So it can be many, many things. If it, To me, if it's going to be seen by the load of that house, or it's going to be on the service, or it's going to be on the feeder, then I have to think about that and write that down and take it into consideration. Okay, But it's got to be an appliance application for, for 3A to be met. Or in item 4, it's going to have to be a motor that is permanently connected, that is not covered in three, then it can be added here, okay? All right, um, so that's kind of answers, hopefully answers those questions. Uh, again, so uh, pool equipment, most certainly I would think it's considered uh, in one of those item three or item four is gonna cover probably anything with the pool equipment that would be considered an appliance or separate motor. Um, uh, landscape lighting, I, you know, I don't know that that it's called an appliance, uh, and I guess it depends, but I don't think it is, and I think it's such low value that it's not something that I would overly consider, as long as it's not an appliance. Code rules doesn't say that here. Um, and unlike, unlike Part 3, which makes an opening statement in 220.40 about all of the things that are in Part 2 being complied with even after you do the demands of Part 3 and Part 4, in Part Four, it doesn't really say that, right? It just gives you and tells you what you can and what you can't do, and then it turns around and dumps you right into B and C. And if your items in your dwelling don't fall under B uh, in any of these applications, or if it's not an appliance, then it's then it's enough diversity that it's not considered, I guess. So, um, but again, understanding what an appliance is, remember that's the. Um, a real important statement in 3A that says all appliances that are fastened in place, permanently connected, or located to be on a specific circuit. So we're still talking about an appliance here. Okay. Um, and then of course you're taking the nameplate. Well, the other thing is the diversity because you know where you giveth and taketh away. So even though we're doing the 40% on the remainder over the first 10 kVA. When you're dealing with the ranges, wall-mounted ovens, you're going to take the full nameplate. Whereas when we're doing the standard method, we're able to go to 220.55 and take a demand factor there. 
for example, a 12kW range would be only 8kW if it's a single one. So we're getting a break there. So I guess it all works out in the scheme of life, if you will. Um, but just remember how B applies. Okay, so that answers the questions I think, I hope it did, David. On your pool equipment, yes, landscaping, lighting, probably not going to consider that. Docks, general use receptacle, probably not, because whether it's on the dock or on the side of my house outside, it's not going to add any difference. It's going to be covered under general. It's be fine. Even though we come up with the values using the outside diameters of the dwelling to do the 3VA, um, we know, well, as you know, as well as I know, if I put a receptacle on the outside of my house, it's not... Uh, even if I put it on a surface mount, it's not technically within the footprint of the outside. I don't think the two matter. Uh, it's still load that's being supplied by it, and it's covered in the VA. Uh, I'm not worried about that, uh, the square footage. Um, if it was something like a power lift or something on a dock, uh, then I most certainly would consider that an appliance. Uh, or if it's a motor, then that's I'm going to get going to catch it in item four so i think you're covered there either way for whatever your application down there again if we're talking about a marina then you shouldn't be in one family dwelling so that's not even coming into play here because that's not where you're going to be able to use that optional method anyway so take our head out of that part of it now lastly let's talk about that for the calculation of the whole, of the whole house whole house generator um Obviously, people ask me all the time, can you use the optional method, as, as a, we'll say general rule, can you use the optional method to size a generator? Uh, and, and my answer is absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what tells me I can? Well, if you look at 702.4B, which is system capacity, and that tells me that the calculated load on the standby source shall be made in accordance with Article 220. Well... That's telling me that I consider my brand circuits in part two. I can consider part three to do the load service or feeder calculation. And most certainly the generator's not going to be a service, but it's going to be a feeder. So I'm going to use that. Um, and um, that's another thing that people sometimes don't understand is a generator is never a service. Okay, Services are tied to utilities. A generator is always going to supply a feeder to the building. Okay? All right. Just kind of a lesson of the day so people understand now granted there's a lot of things when you get up into emergency systems and for feeders that are going to make it act like a service in 230 but you have to remember that generators the, the supply from the generator is generally a feeder okay that's what it is all right totally different class for a different lesson but i figured i'd say it while i'm there all right so system capacity it says right here that I can use Article 220. It doesn't say specifically in here that I can only use Part 3 of 220. No different than it says that I can only use Part 4 of 220. So we can agree to disagree, but in reality of life, it's telling me I can use Article 220. So when I'm sizing those loads up to determine capacity that many of the generator manufacturers will give you a little calculation sheet, yeah, I have to very much take part two into consideration because I have to look at my loads that are being served that way for the branch circuits. Hopefully, you've already taken that into consideration. Now, I'm moving into my feeder calculation when it comes to the generator. And if you look at 702.4b, it tells me that I can use Article 220. It doesn't limit to me. But what's also important is it also says or by other approved me methods. Now, what's the other approved method? Well, approved doesn't mean the generator manufacturer supplying you with a calculator or something like that. It means that the AHJ is acceptable. Now, most AHJs will take 
the calculated formula, calculation printout or whatever from a manufacturer of generators like Generac or something like that, okay? They will have a calculator and basically what you're doing is you're identifying item by item all of the loads that are associated. So you're actually putting every load that you expect that generator to, to support, whether it's a microwave, whether it's a dryer, range, whatever it is, you're going to calculate that. But so most of the methods that the generator people use is the optional method because it results in a smaller service and that's what they need or a, yeah, a smaller service which ultimately will be fed by a generator uh, which is a feeder but they want to make sure that that generator is going to handle that load so most times they want to know exactly the loads that are going to be on when you run that generator okay so dealing with Dave's question here we'll talk about shedding but that's the first premise. Nothing here says that I cannot use Article 220. Okay, now a local jurisdiction may feel otherwise, and Dave is is, is the AHJ in a, in a jurisdiction might feel otherwise, and if that's what they want to write in their rules, they're more than happy to do that. They're the AHJ; they can do that. Okay, um, and uh, but many people use the optional method for this calculation now. Or they'll use another approved means, and that might be, again, calculation from the manufacturer or the generator that you fill out the blanks and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Now, with that said, there's two ways to transfer this generator that is an optional standby generator. Not emergency, not legally required. It's optional. And you have what's called a manual transfer switch, and you have what's called an automatic transfer switch. Now, based on Dave's question, it's a whole home generator, so it's probably going to be an automatic transfer. And when he says load shed, I think he probably means load management, because typically when we see shedding term used, we use that up in 700 more often than not when we're trying to determine whether or not a generator uh, has enough for load pickup, load shed, or load peak shading or shaving. Uh, and that's based on a sequential order of what's most important and it has to be a generator, for example, or an alternate power source, I should say, because it doesn't always have to be a generator, that can handle the emergency circuits first, then the legally required, and then it can handle any optional in that order. So it's got to be able to handle all the emergency needs first, first and foremost. Um, and you could shed off the optional and shed off the legally required if any of those coming on could hinder the emergency and so in fact the code demands it that that takes place in 700.4b that you do that so that's where we get the term load shedding uh, and so it's probably what he means when he says shedding although we under load management can do that under the optional standby system we do something very similar just remembering that these are emergency loads okay distinct difference in these um, some people will beg to differ and say well if it's my mother-in-law and she's on a ventilator on the second floor and it's very much an emergency load well some of us who have mother-in-laws may beg to differ it's still either way it still doesn't make it a emergency load okay all right and I'll leave it there rather than go into a real tasteless joke about mother-in-laws. But so let's look at the two. Manual transfer equipment, B1. And we're in 702.4. If you're following along, you're pausing this podcast, go to page 590 and you'll see where we're at. What is a manual transfer equipment? What are the rules here? It says where manual transfer equipment is used, okay, an optional standby system shall have adequate capacity and rating for the supply of all equipment intended to be operated at any one time. 
So that's why most generator manufacturers are going to want you to give a list of everything you expect to be on, and we're going to say, you be a good boy, you be a good girl, and you make sure these are the only ones that you turn on because this is all that you accounted for. And if you do that, then you can get a manual transfer switch. And basically, the way we used to do it is we had little dots, colored dots, and we would put red dots on the ones that had to stay off and green dots on the circuits that could come on so that when somebody turned off everything at the main uh, and they were going to now transfer it over manually, that they turned off all the breakers and only turned on the ones that had the green dots. And that's the ones that we used in our load calculation. Okay? All right. Um, so... That is what we mean by the manual transfer. Now, it also goes on to say the user of the optional standby system shall be permitted to select the loads connected to the system. So you get to pick what you want. Just make sure that you account for them. And as far as inspector goes, if I'm going to do a manual transfer, I want to give them a list of the loads that they do. And if you want to make your life easier, most inspectors probably wouldn't care, but if you want to make your life easier, I give them a list of my load calculation if I'm doing a manual. And I also take a picture of the panel front in my with the cover on it and my little dots that show what's green and what's red in a brief explanation. That always seems to make them feel better. And it looks a lot professional on the job. You do what you want. That's just what I would do. I buy those, I used to buy those dots in bulk in any way, and it just didn't matter. Okay, it's just a one step, you know, customer service, make it stand out. Do I expect those dots to stay on there forever? Probably not, but you know, you get what I mean. All right, so now let's deal with the automatic transfer and more of what Dave's probably asking. All right, so David's probably asking this because he's talking about shedding a whole house. So when I'm doing a whole house, chances are I'm going to do a whole house. I'm going to do a automatic transfer. I'm, I want to do the whole house. So it says where an automatic transfer equipment is used, Okay. It doesn't have to be used. It could be manual. It says, an optional standby system shall comply with 2A or 2B. Okay, A or B. You choose, whichever you want to do. Now, first things first. One says a full load. If I want to do my calculation and I want to size that transfer switch and all that, um, uh, the standby system, then I can literally do it to handle all of my load on transfer. Anything that would potentially have to be able to be transferred, it could be on, could be run at a given time. AC, he, whatever it is. All of those things that are capable, okay, of supplying. It has to be capable of supplying the full load that could be transferred. I could be in the middle of using the oven or the range or whatever. If I want to go that method, then I'm going to come up with a calculation now. Can I use the standard or optional method here? Sure, either one you want. Just make sure that you take into consideration all of that that would be transferred. Okay? Now, some people will say, well, I don't know. I don't know what would be transferred. Well, any given load that you're putting into that optional calculation could be transferred. So I'm going to use it. Now, that would be father, uh, a fodder, or what I should say, I don't even know the word right. Could For people to say, well, that's by their by proxy of that language tells me I can't use the optional method. I disagree. I disagree. If they meant that, then they would say that here that the optional method can't be used. And I don't see that here. So for me, when I'm doing that calculation at transfer, I'm going to calculate based on uh, my loads and all the appliances. And uh, I've got my VA. And I've got all those things, that are the appliances that are those demanding loads that could be there. So I pretty much got most everything covered, right? I mean, 
if you think about it, I'm covering every general item here with that optional calculation. Okay? So, and I'm taking it nameplate, so I have some diversity there. So I can argue with some people that would say, Paul, Paul, though, Paul, 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 Mr. Abernathy, theoretically, in the optional method, you're not potentially accounting for every... Okay, you know what? Do whatever you want to do. I'm just saying. Folks out there that think that way, do whatever you want to do. As far as I'm concerned, when I do that optional method, those are all the significant loads that could be on at any given time if I want to do a full load calculation. Okay? Just remember, again, that it is uh, uh, taking that into account. Now, let's deal with the second one, B, because that can be A or B. B is dealing with load management. It says, where a system is employed that will automatically manage the connected loads, the standby source shall have a capacity sufficient to supply the maximum load that will be connected by the load management system. Okay? just really that simple now we're talking one family dwellings and things like that but this can be quite complicated uh, when you're dealing with let's say UPS systems and you're maybe you're doing data processing and and all these loads that can shift and and change at different times and you never know what's on and it can be rather complicated um, when you're dealing with that and, and I understand that and it can be and you have to take that into consideration if you're using as your source uh, something like UPS systems uh, things like that so uh, you really need to take your time in our case we're dealing with the whole house so it's he said generator so we're gonna we're gonna stick with the generator okay now the key thing to remember again and why I think it doesn't matter which you use is because it's two, whether it's a standard or optional method here, it's because you have to remember what you're focusing at, what you're looking at, okay? Um, and, and, and that's the key for me and uh, how I'm doing it and when I'm doing these calculations. So, I, you know, I keep it pretty simple. The general rule is if it's full, then I have to size that generator to, to handle the full load that it could be susceptible to on transfer, unless I'm using an energy management system. If I have an energy management system in place, uh, or any component of energy man management, in which case the system's capacity must match the maximum load that the management system will allow to be connected. So if that's the case, I most certainly can use the optional method or the standard method, however I want. But understanding when you're doing the management system under that one, um, I have to know what exactly the management system is going to allow, the maximum load that that system will allow for me to do. So if I have load shedding, and the load shedding design in the, in the, in the uh, management system is going to shed, as that's what David uses the term, shed or turn off certain loads, then that management system is going to let a certain amount of loads happen. Okay, because it's shedding some other ones. So it's going to know what is the maximum load that is going to be controlled by that load management system. If that's the case, then I size my generator based on that. Okay, And that might be a proprietary done through a, a company that does the generators, who has the load management system, and, and whatnot is involved with that. But again, full load, it's going gonna, it's gonna to handle all the loads. I still can do that. 
and I use the standard method or the optional method and then under load management um, I use the standard or optional method and I only take into consideration the loads that the load management system is going to allow because it's turning off the other loads okay a lot of people would say well what if it fails well again we don't generally design it that way we design it for what we intend the system to do and a load management system or some type of shedding component is trying to take that load away so in theory the load is away but I don't see anything that tells me that I cannot use the optional or the standard method. In fact, if that was their intent, then right up in 702.4b it would say in accordance with Article 220, Part 3. Or it would say in with accordance with Article 220, Part 2 and 3. Or it would say something to that effect, but it doesn't. And it also gives me the ability to use another other approved means, which means that I can utilize whatever the load management system designed by whoever designs it or the generator installer who's a factory trained technician of Generact or Kohler or whatever they are, then I can use their values based on what I'm putting into it and I do that, do that calculation. Again, if there's no load management system, boy, what is all the loads that are capable of being transferred? All of those loads that are in my calculation are capable of being transferred. So I'm going to count them all. Um, if there's load management, I'm going to still do the same type of calculation, but I'm going to leave out the loads that are shedded because the maximum load that can be controlled by that load management system are going to be all of those loads that are going to be allowed by the load management system, not those that are going to be blocked or, or shedded by the load management system. But I personally believe that I could use part three or part four to my heart's content and that and I'd still be compliant the way the code's written today. Uh, others may disagree with that. That's perfectly fine. But you know what you're going to need to do? You're going to need to submit a public input or a public comment to change the code or add the words to, to align with what you believe because that doesn't align with, with what I believe. Because if I look at part four of the calculations, it tells me what I can do in part four. If I look in part three, it real quickly tells me that I use part two for all this calculation, all the stuff that's in part two, okay, in order to come up with my values, and then I go to my part three and all my part four, uh, and I do those type of calculations. But part three gives that guidance in the front of it. Part four does not. Part four just says here, take what I'm giving you on the screen, or take what I'm giving you in the 220.82 A, B, and C, and work with it. That's all it tells me, okay? All right, so hopefully you got something out of that. Uh, I think you can see that this is 50 minutes into this, that it is absolutely why we couldn't cover this topic in a one-hour general optional calculations. Hopefully you got something out of this, David. Uh, hopefully I didn't say anything that's uh, too controversial in it. Uh, until next time, folks, stay safe, God bless, and hopefully you can attend our future podcasts. Uh, until next time, stay safe. Every day the future's getting closer. Every day the future's looking bright. Every day is another beginning.